With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The transformational show about life, laughter, and the pursuit of happiness. Delivered by good people doing good business and good things. And I'm your host, Michelle Swinnick. We are your trustworthy resource for sharing personal stories and quality content conveyed with a hint of humor and a supersized side of sincerity. This is our signature segment, The Massey Memo, with our expert contributor, Robert Massey, attorney, solution provider, and protector of the people at Massey and Massey Attorneys at Law. Robert delivers the Massey Memo on the first and third Fridays of every month. His engaging and entertaining personality gives the boring law just the jolt it needs to make you want to tune in and learn to better play the hand you've been dealt in this game we call life. Enjoy the show. This is our expert contributor segment, the Massey Memo with Robert Massey, attorney solution provider and protector of the people at Massey and Massey Attorneys at Law. Robert will be delivering the Massey Memo on the first and third Fridays of every month. And as our listeners know from last week, Robert and I said we are going to make sure we are doing it on the first and third Fridays of every month. It might be a little later in the day, but it will be on the Fridays that we said because we are accountable and we are practicing what we preach. So today is our 99th episode, which (laughs) I can't believe I've done 99 of these episodes, Um, which is probably why my hair is falling out and I'm stressed and gained 15 pounds. Oh, but anyway, it's, uh, <laughs> it's been awesome, and I look forward to yet another 99, something special we're planning for the 100th episode, but for right now, Robert is taking us into the 99th episode. It's like the turn of the century, and our topic today, yet more reasons why the government running anything is not the solution. First, my joke, then on with the show. Have you heard about McDonald's new socialist value meal? Order anything you like, and the guy behind you has to pay for it. <laughs> you know how I feel about socialism. Oh, yeah. You know, I love it. It's the, well, it's the, what Margaret Thatcher said. It's socialism's great until you, you run out of other people's money, something along those lines. And as everyone knows, my favorite, Ronald Reagan, which they saved the library the other day from the fire, which I, I have an interesting comment about that. Remember what he did say. The nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. My one thought came across my mind when I saw on the news that they were concerned about the Reagan library being on, you know, the fire was literally all around it. I said, you know, it's yeah. – <laughs> These Democrats in California, they hate Republicans so much that the the only legendary person that was ever attached to California was Ronald Reagan when he was governor. And he did all these wonderful things. So it's kind of ironic that they're trying to now burn down the guy's library just to say, yeah, we're just going to burn what's left of anything Republican in this state. I said, what is going on, people? That is just not nice. <laughs> oh my yeah, goodness! What's, what's going on in California right now is crazy. Oh, it is. You know, they do have their fire seasons. I lived there when I went to college and after, and I was there in ninety. What fire came through that was really bad? It was ninety three, I think it was. And then, but it was the fires before that were ten or fifteen years. And now last year and this year in Southern and then even the year before in Northern again, and people are pointing the finger at global warming or climate control, climate, whatever the the word of the phrase of the week is with that. But it has nothing to do with that. It is the fact that they, they're not taking care of management of the the fire, the forest and the debris, because basically it's all kindling, right? So then all of a sudden, you know, why Go ahead. In Southern, it is there's an interesting discussion maybe for another episode in regards to Northern and 
how much the how much culpability PG and E has on the fire starting up there because you know two years twenty seventeen they legitimately burned down a city their equipment yeah. from an equipment malfunction and from what I've read that the fire is going on right now in Northern California that has burned eighty thousand acres. That started from malfunctioning PG&E equipment again, which is why they cut power to 2 million people out of a precaution because we're like, we can't burn down a whole other city again. And uh, so, I mean, it's pretty it's pretty crazy what's going on right now up there. Yeah, there's many layers to it. I did see an interview, and I only caught half of it, but it was talking about what you just mentioned, about their equipment issues and and certain things along those lines that it's things are their, their fault, but because there's so much regulations and things that they're required to do from an environmental standpoint, that has nothing to do with what they do. They're spending more money on those type of issues that are now taking away funds to do something along the lines of taking care of equipment or or spending more money on whatever it is that they need to do to make sure that the issues that they're now having aren't occurring. So there's another layer yeah. there where they, uh, it has to do with government and the environmentalists that are involved and in requiring them to pay for things that are taking away funds from other places. So I, there was something along the lines, and I don't know the specifics, and when it comes up again, I'll pay attention, but you know, it goes back to even what you were earlier we were mentioning about Southern California, and it has to do with it's a, it's a, it's the government. It's the, the environmentalists coming in and it's preventing them from doing what they need to do. It's just like California when it comes to their water issues, they don't have a water problem. They have a water management problem, which, you know, I don't know if you, I, I thought of you, actually, this is kind of funny. Do you ever see the series Goliath on Amazon? It's with an, it's about I, an attorney. I have not. Oh, you, you need, yeah, you need to, you need to, it's, it is a great series. Well, the most recent season had to do with the water issue in California. And it, it, it similar to what I'm saying is that there's not a water problem. It's, it has to do with um, money and hands in cookie jars and control and things like that. So anyway, oh, yeah, can, I mean, we have, wa- we have a water issue here, but it, it'll never be a real issue because uh, whenever we need water, it suddenly appears. Water in the next in the next uh, thirty to forty years, water is going to become the new oil. I mean, it's there's just it's been highly commodified at this point. But again, topics for another day. Yeah, see, they they just keep popping up as, and it gives us new ideas and new material to discuss. Uh, but today mm-hmm. is November first, which is. All Saints Day, the day after Halloween. It is. And, yeah, so uh, my saint, St. Michael, is is uh, back when I was, it's funny, the one, last night, the, you know, kids after kids after kids came up, and uh, the All Saints Day, the only reason I, I reminded, or I was reminded of it is because the, the kids mentioned it last night when they came to the door. One of them was dressed as an angel. And the other ones were, oh, you know, little things in the pack. And I said something, and they're like, we don't have school tomorrow. I said, what do you mean, have school tomorrow? They said, it's All Saints Day. We go to a Catholic school. I said, oh, that's right, All Saints Day. So when we were in Catholic mm-hmm. school, we had to dress as our, our saint on All Saints mm-hmm. Day, which technically I, they all look like angels, right? So they basically just wanted yeah. us to all dress as angels and then just acknowledge which saint that we were named after so I thought it was kind of funny yeah. now thinking back we just we didn't dress as our saint we just all dressed as angels <laughs> so yeah I, my, you know. my, my my kids didn't get off school today they had to go to school and go to church yeah. so. oh okay <laughs> yeah that's where we went to church on all saints day yeah and so yeah. well we actually went to church every Friday so um my little yeah. stint in catholic school before before I exited and went to the the public schools which since we're talking student loans today, we'll we'll mention some things about public versus private later. But how was the trick or treating with the kids? I know two of them were sick, but at least uh, did your uh, did your daughter enjoy it? And then any really awesome costumes did you see? 
My oldest, uh, yes, she did enjoy it. She always does. I mean, getting a big bag of candy is always always the top of the list for a kid having fun. But, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of strange, actually. We always go trick-or-treating up in the community my brother lives in, and it's usually packed with kids. And this year, for whatever reason, it was not – I mean, there was about a third of the kids uh, that, that we usually have a lot of the houses that usually go all out didn't do it. So I don't know if everyone's just kind of taking Halloween off this year or what, but it definitely didn't have the, the same enthusiasm as it usually does. And it was the coldest Halloween in Vegas in like, I think they said 25 years or something like that. So us Las Vegans, as soon as it hits 50 degrees, we don't know what to do with ourselves and we try and stay inside <laughs> right, as much as possible. So you know, oh, we, that might have had something to do with it, too. But, no, she had a very good time and got a big bag of candy. And I went home and put her to bed real quick because I don't need my – I don't need number three getting sick. No, not at all. Not at all. But they, uh, we were a little light, too, on, on the uh, trick-or-treaters. So I thought that was kind of interesting that you're, you were light, too. But it wasn't because it was cold. I mean, it, we're supposed yeah. to only be about five degrees, usually colder than you guys or hotter than you. And uh, it was mm-hmm. – it's it is it was not cold at all. Not to mention it's kind of funny, and I'm sure you experience this too. As soon as it gets anywhere below literally 80 degrees here, somebody at night will start lighting a fire because you can smell it, and you're like, really? It's I'm in shorts and a t-shirt, and it's not cold. <laughs> but it gives somebody as soon as they have a seven in it, they're like, yay, we can light a fire. <laughs> this is embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know what is going on with this neighborhood. But when you, when you go when you go so many consecutive months with in triple digits, you're just like, oh my god, I this is fantastic. I need to change this up a little bit. So thank you yeah. to some degree. It's a, it is uh, it is nice when it starts cooling down, but you know, we, and I'm you know, and the weather is very similar in Arizona as, as it is to here, but it uh, it just kind of dropped like crazy all of a sudden. It was. We actually, it actually did get extremely cold the other night, down to about 20 degrees, and then uh, now it's oh back God. up. I think today, I think today we're back up to 70. So that doesn't help the uh, the sicknesses that are going around. But no, that's that's coming here too. Everybody's got something that's going around because, like you said, we're we're a bunch of wimps. We we can't handle temperature <laughs> yeah. change. All of a sudden, everybody no. bundled up, and you're like, really, it's. 70 what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> you know people come out of state come here and then they just make fun of us and I, oh, yeah i know <laughs> there's, there's a lot to make fun of in arizona that's for sure there's a lot to make fun of here <laughs> so so on that note let's get into the topics today yet more right. reasons why the government running anything is not the solution and i just think it's ironic that all of these candidates keep saying more government, let's spend money. And I just, I, I hope that the American people really get that they are the ones who really are the best spenders of their own money. And I think things are changing, even though this millennial, and I didn't write the statistic down because I just saw it yesterday, the day before they came out with this new poll and the millennials, an extremely high percentage of them think socialism is the way to go with things and that's what they want. But I don't, but when they asked, they were asked in more detail what socialism was, most of them didn't understand. So I think they think socialism has to do with social media, meaning you're just very friendly and social. (laughs) (laughs) They wouldn't have iPhones if that was the case. But um, anyway, I think that hopefully there's a shift going where most people realize that Anything that has to do with government is not in the best interest of people, especially when it comes to spending their money and making their decisions. And that's kind of what you and I, Robert, wanted to do with a couple of these shows that we're talking about is to bring those to light, to just hope that and spread that message so people realize that uh, more government is not a good thing. No, I mean, with the student loan issue, I mean, it's become – I, I mean, it, it really is. A, it, it's a gigantic bubble that's going to burst at some point. Um, you know, they just cannot continue to proceed with the type of program that they have. 
I mean, the average amount of debt someone comes out of college with is around, I believe, somewhere between thirty and fifty thousand dollars worth of debt, non-dischargeable debt, by the way. That even if you have to go and file for bankruptcy, and you would qualify for a Chapter Seven bankruptcy, which allows you to discharge any debts if you qualify for a Chapter Seven debt. Student loan is a non-dischargeable debt, so even if you qualify for a Chapter Seven, you cannot discharge a student loan debt. So there, you're hooked with these debts, and you're 23, 24 years old, and it's uh, the, the system is beyond broken. And now, I think there's 1.5 trillion in student loan debt, and mm-hmm. what do you do? What do you do with it? How do you? How do you? It's just. It's become such a giant problem, such a giant bubble, and it, it just becomes a, a giant uh, just weight on these kids' ankles that come out of, of college with, this, with these debts, and they want to move on with their lives, and they're paying them their entire lives. Uh, the answer to it, I, I honestly don't know the answer to this one. I mean it's such – it really is such an issue – and I don't know I, how do you just forgive 1.5 trillion dollars in debt? That well, you can't. That, who's going to who, pay for that? I, I know well, you that, can't, but that's certainly something that that is discussed quite a bit. Well, yeah, because um, it sounds cool. And, it's a good talking point, and it sounds good for votes or for getting people to believe the rest of the crap that you're saying. Because you have to. That's all. If you forgave it, then it just gets added to the federal debt, which then, which everybody keeps saying, well, the more debt you put on, the in when you have more debt in the government, all you're doing is hurting hurting future generations and bogging them down. So, but yeah, the same people that are saying that now want to add another one point six or one point five trillion dollars to those future generations. So that's all it is. It's a transfer of wealth, and it just ends and up being. And my favorite. Put on by the, the, the put just pushed down the road, which, uh, but that's the same. But that's what I'm saying is, is it, you, these politicians that are talking, or these talking heads, or these experts that you hear on, or the pundits, things like that, they literally talk out of both sides of their mouth because it's almost like they never took algebra in school, right? I, I always try to c- explain this as algebra. What you do to one side, you have to do to the other. And if you can't do that, then technically what you're doing is you're just a big hypocrite because if it's convenient for you over here on the left, awesome. And then all of a sudden, if it, if it's not matching what you want, even though it's the exact same on the right side, not meaning left or right political, then you change your tune. That's not how it works. That's not how, you know, and you know this from the law, the law is the law, right? You can't, you're not there to, to manipulate it based on what, what you, what works for you today doesn't work for you tomorrow. Right. That's not how it's supposed to be done. No, not at all. And and my my favorite my favorite is you know some of these governmental uh, suggestions for how to help with the situation. Number one is always about offering financial literacy courses and providing people with more financial literacy. Well, it doesn't matter how much financial literacy you have. That if at the end of the day you say I want to go to college, I don't have the money to go to college. There's still you're still it's still in a position where this is the only option, and they got to be got to grab onto this crazy debt to, to get through college. So no matter how financial literate some literate someone is, it doesn't matter. So what exactly. is that going to do? So and let's look at just, the the how about we go back to where this all started? And I, I'm sure you know this because this is right up your alley. The student loans used to be in the private world, right? Except it was a private lending program, but it had federal guarantees. And in 2010, the Obama administration pushed the banks out. They didn't want them to do any more student loans. And the debt back in then was $154 billion. Today, it's 2019. As we said, it's $1.56 trillion. And why did they do this? Because they had to pay for Obamacare. And this is fact. I'm not making this up because you're citing on one side or the other. This is where it came from. So they took over the federal loan program 
and made it a direct loan lending program by the federal government. The interest rates were set exceptionally higher than what the private sector had because they had to create revenue for the Affordable Care Act. So they took the 10-year treasury and they added somewhere between three and five points on top of that, like percentage points, which prior to that, the rates were much, much lower. So that's where this all came from. So now when you know that the money is going to be spoon-fed to you with no guidelines, like normally when you get a loan, you actually have to qualify. You have to have a means to repay. There is criteria. There's underwriting. Well, when you have the government unlimited budgets that are just throwing money out left and right, what does that mean for the, the tuition for the colleges? Well, why don't we just increase it? Because the money's going to definitely come anyway. So then that went out of control because in the, uh, there's a, here's a statistic. I just saw it today. The public and private nonprofit schools have raised their tuition between 50 and 65% since 2000. That's insane. The education hasn't changed. But I did see in another interview that the reason why they were taking advantage of this free-flowing money, it's just basically subprime loans from back in the day when it didn't matter if you had a job or you just had to be able to breathe and sign something. They are paying for the pensions of the teachers and the professors and the staff. So the reason why they've done such an increase in the tuition is to cover the pensions that they're supposed to be paying out. So there is, uh, that's just, that's where it all came from. I think it's important for people to know that that's what started all this. Yeah. And currently 1.5 of 1.4, excuse me, trillion of the 1.5 trillion that's owed is all federal money. Oh yeah. Only only that difference is, is what's owed still on private student loans and private student loans actually require credit checks and federals don't but in regards to the institutions themselves <laughs> that's a whole nother road we could go down i mean you could talk about tenured professors as well you get a tenured professor speaking about the level of education but the price the fact that the the uh, the education has stayed the same and the prices have increased you have these tenured professors that get tenure. They can't be fired. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, are you going to approach your job with the same amount of vigor and the same amount of of ambition if you know it doesn't matter what you do and you can't get fired? I mean, that's that's a whole other conversation. But, yeah, that's – I mean, the, it, the, in, the influx – and the takeover of the student loan program by the government certainly has completely turned it around. And now it's at a point where I, I really don't know what you do with it. Maybe you can do something with it going forward, but you already have millions of millions of people that have these just crippling debts that no matter what and no matter what they do, they're attached to them at all times. And that's – that just shouldn't be the case. It just—it's just an unfortunate that these people just really have—they're they're at an age where they don't have an understanding of exactly what they're doing, and don't know that this is something that can potentially affect them for the rest of their lives, for the rest of their lives. Because even if someone is successful, say someone gets a really good job at the age of twenty-eight, okay, and say they have the money at that point to just pay off their entire student loan. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. You're like, oh, there's a couple thousand bucks that comes out of my account every month, but I got plenty of money in there. I could pay this thing off, but let's just keep it going. And then something happens where you don't have that job. You don't have that money, but you still have this debt. I mean, that, and that happens all the time. I have friends that not only have college loan debt, but have law school loan debt. And law school is a whole other I mean, most people come out of law school with between eighty and a hundred thousand dollars of That's student insane. loan debt. It's just insane. The numbers are completely out of control, and and it, you know, you, you were trying to come up with potentially a solution. You weren't sure. Well, you know, moving forward, obviously things should um, drastically change in regards to the amount that's being that you can lend to somebody based on what their degree 
is going to be in, right? There should be some sort of correlation connection there. But um, the thing that no one ever talks about is these large endowments for these schools. I mean, some of these schools have like $100 billion endowments. Well, they were part of the mess in order that was created because they, they increased their prices because they knew the money was going to be coming from an unlimited source. So there, maybe there's a, there's a means there to tap into those endowments and start paying for what they created. I mean, you know, the, the reason there's such a dirty diaper is they were the ones putting a lot of the poop into the diaper. And now the, uh, not only the, the, the students that were, that have the student loans are affected. And I would like your opinion on this based on people that are coming into your office for all types of different consulting for what your services are in regards to many different aspects of the law. But when you have a large group such as millennials, which are the largest group of consumers right now, and their hands are tied in order to spend on things that the generation before them were spending on, it hurts everybody in the circle of consumer life, meaning now they're not there to maybe buy that first house or they're not there to buy that extra appliance. They're not there to buy that car. So it affects everybody else in the, our whole system because they can't afford it because they have, they have a monthly payments on their student loan, which is more than most people's mortgage payments. So, uh, but then at the end of the day, like we talked about last time, personal responsibility, their parents, who basically said it's okay to take out a loan for $50,000 to pay for your tuition. At what point do the parents have to go, you've got to be insane. I am not paying for that. So you cannot get a job when you get out. Yeah. Well, that's, and, and that, that speaks to another problem as well is, you know, you, what kind of job opportunities are you going to have without a college degree? Unfortunately, in today's world, a college degree is nowhere near worth what it was 30 years ago. Now you have to have some type of master's degree, some type of professional degree to really take you above and beyond and, and make you stand out. But without a college degree, that, that sets you back as well. So you, you're almost have this double-edged sword of what, what do I do here? But I think in regards to personal responsibility, I think – probably one of the bigger problems and I think you could probably see this just by how big online short-term loans have become, payday loans have become, is there are a, a high percentage of people that take these loans and do this and don't recognize how big of an issue it is, how long they're going to be hooked with this and they, they kind of think, oh, well, this is what I do. If I need something, if I need something, then I'll just borrow the money to do it, and that'll be fine. If I have this loan here and this loan here and this loan here, it's no big deal. So now you have someone that not only has these student loans, but they have maybe 10 other short-term loans, and they have credit cards, and they have this, and they have that, and now the system is just completely crippled. That now you have someone that just can't function in the world and has this crippling debt. And again, it can can other types of debt, as I said, be discharged in bankruptcy. Sure, student loans cannot, but it kind of paves the way for the behavior to be carried on without an understanding of exactly what the effects are of having these types of loans. And I mean. You just can't you can't expect unfortunately, and maybe in regards to education, maybe just making kids at that age have them understand just this point, but at twenty one twenty two twenty three you can't really grasp the understanding of how important a credit score is. you just can't, and the fact that 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 that's one score that is going to control a lot of your ability in regards to your financial means to buy a car, to buy a house, to get a loan, to, to start a business by getting a small business loan. 
And so if you have someone that gets into the situation and says, oh, that's okay, whatever, I have a student loan debt, they take whatever out of my paycheck every month, and we'll keep it going, they don't see the problem with it, and then they just continue to borrow, and they continue to borrow, and they continue to borrow. And then it turns into this giant ball that's just uncontrollable. And I think from a, the younger generation, the younger you know, the, the kids in their 20s that have kind of come up with this system – I think that's a trap that a lot of them really fall into. Well, let me ask you this then. So you do a lot of estate planning, okay? Most people Mm -hmm. that are young don't have the estate to plan yet, right? In general, it's their parents. So when you – But let me just just say this about that because it's a common misconception. Everybody has an estate, and no matter how old you are, you should have estate planning. That's my little plug there. (laughs) Yeah, and I, I will I will correct myself. I didn't necessarily mean to not encourage no, everyone to do the estate planning because we've talked about this before. But what I meant was comparing it to the the debt and the student loans. So I I appreciate you correcting me on on, oh, on making people realize that everybody needs to have an estate plan, even if you just have a bank account and. You, even if you lease your car, because you have something of value that needs to be transferred. So I, uh, I, I appreciate the reminder and correction. Most people don't realize that. But when, when I, what I should have said, the way I should have said it was, or if I was a, if I was a, a politician, I could say I misspoke. <laughs> I apologize. I misspoke. I didn't mean to make to say that lie. I just misspoke. So I, I redact that, Senator. So uh, what, I, what I meant was, as you're visiting with estate planning for the, these, the parents or the older group, mm. I'm sure the conversation comes up at some point in certain ones where they're saying, I'm going to be giving my kids this amount or whatever it may be. I mean, and obviously you're talking about the debts that the kids have or the things that the parents have. I mean, is, it, is that conversation had where the parents go, I can't believe I allowed my kid to take out this much debt now that I'm going to pass along all this, all this worth to them that they're going to end up paying with their student loans. I'm not saying you shouldn't pay for your debt, but do they look back and saying, I should have never let them take this debt out in the first place. Or did there ever that conversation where the parent has some sort of buyer's remorse because all of these kids that have debt, I would say a very large percentage have parents that were still involved with their lives and helping them make decisions as they were signing mm-hmm. these, uh, I'm, I'm assuming notes to get the debt. So yeah. do you have those conversations with people where they, they kind of bring that up going, what a mess. No, I've absolutely had those conversations and I, I think it, it turns into the conversation and, and kind of the, uh, the dichotomy of the back and forth between the options that they are left with of do I allow my, do I encourage my child to make a decision to not get a college education and not get a college degree knowing how that is going to affect their life? Or do I say do it with these loans knowing how that's going to affect their life? And so it, it really is – that's what that conversation kind of always turns into, and it really is – I mean, it's an honest point to make. I mean, it, you really are stuck between a rock and a hard place of, you know, what do I do? And I, I think kind of the bigger regrets I see um, is, you know – from parents saying, well, you know, I probably could have, I probably could have helped them a little more with college. So they didn't have to take so much debt, but you know, they were offering us this money. It was such an easy process, blah, 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 blah. But I really didn't even think about it at the time. I just figured, well, that's, you know, that's fine. You're, you're going to have this amount of debt adding, subtracting a couple thousand from that wouldn't do much. And looking back at that, they would say, you know, I should have helped them out more. I should have done done more to 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 at least eliminate some of the debt. That, that's more of a a regret I see quite a bit. But there always is a discussion in regards to what 
I, I really was stuck between a rock and a hard place. Any either way, my child is going to be affected. Well, since people consult and hire you to deal with business law, has there ever been a conversation mm-hmm. where they said, you know what, I should have just brought a franchise. The kid could have worked there, learned how to run the business, and next thing you know, now they have an income-producing revenue stream, something that they can actually build, grow, sell, and they have a means to pay back that debt so they don't have to go to an office job or sleep on the parents' couch, live in the basement. So they really do have something of value probably for less than what the tuition was. So (laughs) I've always thought about that. I'm like, why don't you just, why you pay $50,000 on college to go buy a franchise, go buy a subway franchise or whatever, pick one. Um, At least that thing, you know, you can create revenue off of and then you have something to sell. I mean, does that ever yeah, come I up? Mean, I, <laughs> I would be like, really, oh, bad, bad move, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that kind of that issue doesn't really come up because if you got somebody with that kind of money to buy a franchise, they're probably gonna help the kid, you know, pay for college anyway. So it, that that well, my point is, really is that you need the money instead of the tuition to have the put the kid to work. And they'll learn more than they will by sitting in that classroom. That's what I, I, well, that's just crossed my mind. I'm like, what? if it was me, I would be very hesitant to pay for a, a, a kid to go to school to really what, unless the degree was something very specific that you knew you could get a pretty decent job afterwards uh, to lay out that kind of cash. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't yeah, have kids. I mean, my, my, I'm a little skewed on my perception of things. But when it comes down to money, I mean, come on now. That sounds like a pretty smart idea. Well, I, I mean, from a from a strictly, if you're looking at it, <laughs> excuse me, from a strictly business financial standpoint, sure. If you're looking at it from the standpoint of what is accepted in this world, and what that person or that child is gonna gonna need to progress and grow in that world, that's a different conversation. Could he own a subway subway franchise and 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 I agree with you. There's no replacement for real world experience, and certainly you learn a lot more about business. You learn about more a lot about a lot of things than you do in that classroom. But still, to this day, and Again, this could be a topic for another day. Um, the system that is in place to get a majority of jobs, especially in, and have the ability of upward mobility in those jobs, is a college degree. You have to have it. So, you know, could that be successful and could he turn it into a successful career? Sure. Do most 18-year-olds have that, that ambition and the ability to take something like that and make it successful? I would argue no. And I would argue that most of them, uh, you know, 18-year-olds, most, well, most 18-year-olds don't think they want to get a job. They want to create a job. They think they're going to, especially nowadays with the younger generation and how many different means of revenue there are in this world and how many ways you can make a living, they, that would be a difficult discussion, I think, with an 18-year-old. But well, hey, I mean, from a strictly financial <laughs> standpoint, absolutely. From common sense, yeah. Well, it's funny that you bring up their, their aspirations for what they want to do when they, quote-unquote, grow up. And it was something, it was a couple of months ago they came out and it was a survey in like the number one job for that kids wanted was a social influencer, like just to be famous for being on the internet. <laughs> and he went, Oh my God, if that that's their number one job aspiration, we've got problems, people. <laughs> well, that, he that went, kinda, oh my that God. Kinda, yeah. That kind of leads us into our second topic, which is social media and uh, kind of how that has affected pretty much every aspect of, of everything, it's uh, you know I am I am technically a millennial. I'm on the upper end That's of right. a millennial. Um, but <laughs> I forgot how young you are. <laughs> <laughs> so wise, but, but so young, so wise. Yes. But 
I am one of the I, I mean I, I haven't taken a poll, but I would say I'm one of the few uh, millennials that is, is, is very against social media from a personal standpoint. From a business standpoint, it's become a requirement. You have to have social media. You have to have a social media presence. And I understand that, and I, I'm good with that. And, uh, and and I think it's given a lot of people, a lot of businesses, opportunities that they wouldn't have had if social media wasn't wasn't around. But from a personal standpoint, um, it is. I I think it's something that we will look back on in 20 to 30 years and say, man, that was the wrong move. Mm-hmm. Because you know it, it, it's. Government forever has to be has and, and private industry for that matter more, more private industry forever has been attempting to collect data about us about people about what they like about what they don't like about what they do and whenever we got in 2007 when Steve Jobs announced the iPhone we never thought twice. We never had a discussion about it. We just said, you know what? We're not. We're going to make it real easy on you. We're going to give you all that information willingly. We're going to give it all to you, without thought, without any type of worry. So now, I mean, the, the social media, all this stuff, it's pretty young. I mean, Facebook came out when I was a freshman in, in college. In 2004, so I mean, this is pretty young thing. But just think about in 20 or 30 years, the amount of information that we have now willingly given, we have now willingly provided online, which is a permanent record of everything. Mm-hmm. And I've I've heard a lot of different, you know, tech guys and venture capitalists and. and that are in the industry say that honestly within the next 20 to 30 years privacy is going to become the new celebrity because if you are if you are in a position where you can somehow live a private life that is what will be sought after not celebrity anymore because nowadays everybody's a celebrity Everybody is a celebrity, either within their group of friends or being a celebrity for nothing because of social media, these different avenues that people uh, have a a way to kind of get whatever random thought is in their head out. And there, there are certainly benefits to it. There absolutely are benefits to it, but we never really thought about the other side of it and it kind of is all coming to a head now there and now it's it's another area where people are now discussing government regulation of it in regards to political ads with Zuckerberg uh, testifying in front of Congress I think it was last week or the week before that um, and and so, and thinking that somehow government intervention into social media is going to help this thing. Look, I'm not a tech guy. Uh, you know, I, I know enough to be dangerous. I certainly know how to do everything, but the ins and outs, I, I don't know. But I, I just can't imagine this thing is far too out of control at this point and far too pervasive to think that anyone can slow it down. To think that anything, any type of government regulation or anything is going to slow it down from a political standpoint, from a personal standpoint to, to the effect that it has on individuals. It, it's just far too pervasive at this point to try and slow it down. The only people that are going to slow it down are us. And there's a great quote, and I cannot remember the name of the book, and it was probably 30 years ago this book came out. And there was a quote in there that says, you know, in 30 years, 
the term big brother won't even be in existence anymore because we're going to do it to ourselves. Oh, totally. And that's, ex- totally. and that's exactly what we've done. It is exactly what we've done. We have put all this information out there, and now we are the ones, this cancel culture that exists online and on social media, we are the ones that are big brothering ourselves. Well, we're and fueling the, the flame. looking back and saying nothing. Absolutely. Well, it, we're doing I – mean- you brought up the perfect point when you when you first started talking about this. We voluntarily gave them the information and continue to give them the information, which was the whole concept behind Facebook in the first place. It wasn't so people could meet each other or get to know one another or reconnect. No, it was all about getting their data to then turn around and have it to turn around and sell it in order to create revenue so people could sell People hadn't, they knew about you, they know how to target you, and they knew how to sell you something. So, but we keep giving them more information. And then when we find out they did sell it, we were shocked, we're appalled, we can't believe it. What about our rights? No, no, no. When you open the can of worms to get into that world, you're basically standing with your with naked in the middle of the street. So you're going to get exposed. You, but I have friends, and I'm sure you have some, or even maybe some clients that you have that they don't participate in social media. So you can, you don't have to do it depending on how you want to interact, but you can't, it's like, like I mentioned earlier with and we talked about last time, it's personal responsibility. You can't point the finger and say no, but yet love the rewards from it. So it's either you're all in or you, or you're, you, you can't contradict it. You can't, you can't, we become hypocrites when it's not convenient or matching what we wanted for that particular moment. But otherwise it's great over here, but big bad wolf over here. It's my algebra theory. Absolutely. You do to one side, you got to do the other side. Absolutely. And, 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 and uh, a friend of mine, and actually a colleague of mine, he's also an attorney who I've he's been one of my best friends since I was 14. We went to high school together. We were having lunch the other day. And he made a comment to me that I, I'd never really thought about before. He said, you know that we're really the last generation of kids that went through high school without social media. And I said, wow, I never really thought about that. And he said, man, are we lucky. And I mm-hmm. said, you're absolutely right. He said, you are, I said, you are absolutely right. Because the dumb stuff, that could now oh. be affecting my life <laughs> that I oh, would have yeah. put online when I was 16, 17, 18 oh. is it would be ridiculous. And there really is. And I actually experienced this in law school because I went to law school in my mid twenties and I wasn't on Facebook. Um, and there were things that people knew in my class and I said, how do you know about that? Well, on Facebook. So there is this <laughs> feeling that when you're not on there, you're kind of left out. You're left out of the party. You're left out of the conversation. And as somebody in their mid-20s, I was at least mature enough to say, well, I don't really care about that. I'm At this point, I have no need for Facebook, and and I have no desire to be sharing my every thoughts or or where my kids are at every two minutes. Um, So I don't really need it. But at 15, 16, you're not going to have that thought process. You can't have that thought process. Oh, I'm being left out. Okay, I need to be on that. But the other issue is is also social media adds that information for sure. But just having and there's no and the 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 bigger issue there there's there's no getting around. Everybody has a smartphone in their hands, and whether you're on social media or not, there's just information. It's programmed into that phone that essentially allows them to know things about you. Just like I'm not on social media, but if I pass a billboard for a product, you bet your ass that the next day if I go on the Internet, I'm going to see an advertisement for that product. And people are always like, how is this happening? This is so strange. I just saw that billboard. No, it isn't. (laughs) <laughs> they're GPS in your think? ass is what they're doing <laughs> they got basically there's a, a chip in you. <laughs> yeah there's a geolocator and I, and I tell you know not to not to uh, <laughs> divert but no matter what you think of him Edward Snowden was on Joe Rogan's podcast last week I believe 
And if you want to just have the absolute crap scared out of you, go and listen to that and how what he talks about what they can do with the, with the cell phone and how they can track you and what they can do. It's it's ridiculous. It literally scares the hell out of you. So it's you know they already have that ability, and then when we're just voluntarily providing them all of this information that is being compiled. It's all being compiled and it's not yours. Everybody thinks it's theirs because it's yeah, their, no. their account. There was a 1970 Supreme Court case. I'm forgetting the title off the top of my head. Um, there was a 1970 Supreme Court case where a prowler was driving by a house and called the house making some type of threats. And forgive me if anyone listening knows the facts better than this. This is my recollection from calling <laughs> law in, in, in law school. But a prowler was on the phone driving by this house. They got the license plate number, and they the, the cops went directly to the phone service and said, would, said was this person making this call at this time? The phone service gave him the records right over, said yes, he was, and that's how they were able to arrest him. At trial, he argued that they went and got those records without a warrant, and therefore it was unlawful search and seizure. It was the basis for his arrest, and without that improper seizure of those records, there would have been no basis, and therefore he should have been acquitted. And the doctrine that the Supreme Court came up with was something called a third-party doctrine, which is still law today. And it's the reason why the government can track you through your phone and do it legally. Because what they said was those records, that company's records of your phone records, those aren't your records. Mm -hmm. Those are their records. So you have no possessory right in those records. They can do whatever they want with them. Well, now they're doing the same thing with Apple, with Google, with all these places that have all they have all this information about you. Those aren't your records. You have no possessory interest in them. Those are the company's records. So if you think you have some type of control over this stuff, you're out of your mind. And you know that that, that goes down a rabbit hole that that people just don't want to look into and don't want to hear about. But it's very scary. It's very scary for someone with three young kids too because this thing is so pervasive already. Where is it going to go in the next 10 years? And what are my kids going to have to deal with? Because it's impossible to kind of untangle it out of just normal social life because it's become so ingrained. So it's uh, – social media is the, very much a gift and very much a curse in my opinion. Exactly, exactly. And it's interesting that you bring bring up this last point because if then they're putting more regulations onto what can be posted, then technically what you're doing is you're removing free speech. So it's like when mm-hmm. Zuckerberg was up in uh, Capitol Hill just in the past – couple weeks or even a couple months, they were talking about these politicians. You know, they all grandstand when they ask the questions. I mean, they could give a crap less uh, while they're there all year doing something, but all of a sudden they put a camera in front of them and then all of a sudden, you know, they care for, for two seconds to get a soundbite. And um, mm-hmm. one of them said, well, you know, what we need to do is you need to remove any false ads uh, that have lies in it when it comes to political ads. And he just looked at, I don't remember which one it was, which brain surgeon. It mm. might have been that AO, AO, AOC, right? Yeah, that's that it was. Oh, God, that's a whole, we'll do a show on that uh, <laughs> down the road. <laughs> but he said, he just looked at her, and the look on his face was like, then I'd have to remove all of your posts. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, then he'd be like, I'm removing all the posts for all the politicians because all of you guys just make stuff up. So it's just, at that point, then again, like I mentioned, you're removing free speech. And now Twitter, as you mentioned Facebook earlier, Twitter is um, – they're not putting any political ads on there whatsoever. 
So, yeah. but then again, back to personal responsibility, just because it's posted doesn't mean it's accurate, you know, fake news, just because it's there, it doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's legitimate. So you have to kind of do your own homework. You have to see it. Maybe it catches your attention, try to figure out what it is, but it's like anything else, you know, there's uh, I, you don't know what to believe almost anymore. And you hope that you can, you find certain people that are a little bit more honest, or at least you have confidence and respect what they have to say, because for the most part, they've always been pretty much transparent or honest. Well, there's a publication or a person. And then the other ones that just kind of take, you know, three words out of a sentence, even though when you look at those first three, listen to those three, first three words, you think one thing. And then if you finish the rest of the sentence, because they took it out of context, it's totally the opposite. So, I mean, it's a whole circle, but you don't want to, you can't interfere too much because then it, it uh, totally goes against everything that, what our whole country is supposed to be about, but there has to be some, some sort of balance in there because your kids are, are going to be exposed to things that are going to haunt them. Just like look over the past year, look at people that are on, that posted on social media years ago, something now is biting them in the ass where they're losing jobs. They're getting fired. They're losing sponsorships. I mean, even something like Kevin Hart, he had to step Absolutely. away from doing the Academy Awards because of this backlash of this uh, mob media uh, people saying, oh, we're going to boycott this or you're a bad person. And you're just going, oh, my God, it's a TV show, guys. Like, <laughs> And I said it how many years ago, and it was a tweet. It didn't even – so it's like a, it's, it's a whole other world of just uh, – I, I, don't, I don't even know what to call it. But um, uh, as you mentioned, I, I your, think your it, kids are going to be been... something even worse. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just don't, I, I have been absolutely blown away by just the, unmitigated wi- the willingness. Yeah, but the unmitigated stupid willingness. Stupid. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, something like that. But it, the unmitigated willingness of people to judge past behavior based off of current standards. Yeah. Oh, you said that so perfectly. Say it again, because that is perfect. Say that again. Can you? <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the, the unmitigated willingness of people to base past behaviors based off of current standards is unbelievable, <sighs> number one. Number two, the unbelievable ability of people just to not think that – just not think about the fact that, okay, from the time that you're 20 – from the time that you're 35, you grow as a human being. So it, it, things change, opinions change. Maybe maybe something that was said was offensive on any standard, current, past, present, whatever it is. But you've grown as a person. The ability to have that conversation is is done. Oh, you said it, you're finished. But look, when I was growing up in high school, there were there was language used in everyday life on television, in music, in my everyday life with my friends that was freely used and accepted that is in no way accepted today that would get you fired Mm -hmm. from any type of public job, a private job would be a serious, serious issue. So, if I would have said some of those words, if if there was Twitter or Facebook around back then, and now you're looking at it from today's lens, I'm supposed to, uh, my career's supposed to be over because of that. But those were accepted then. That was accepted. What, what, what do you want for me? I can you find one that I've done now? Okay, it's changed. There's been a shift. There's certain language that isn't accepted. Certain things that aren't accepted. Okay. If I if you go against the grain and are just unwilling to change, if it really is an offensive thing, in you know these snowflakes today that get so <laughs> offended by every little thing exactly. is a bit much. But I mean, if there's a really <laughs> offensive word or something that just that people that is just people have made clear, look, that's that's not okay to say, and people keep saying it over and over again in the present day. Okay, but don't look at something somebody did 15 or 20 years ago. And say, oh, that's not okay now, so you're done. I just, that blows me away. It absolutely blows me away. 
And a, and a perfect example, which you'll appreciate this, is Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. You know, the, the clay animation, claymation version mm-hmm. of that came out in the 60s. And it's on literally every single year mm-hmm. for, what is it, 50 years, 55, 60 years? But last year, all of a sudden, it bothered a bunch of people. I'm like, wait, <laughs> poor Rudolph. Leave, leave the guy alone. It's not, nothing has changed. They haven't altered the show. They, they use it every year. So why all of a sudden last year did it bother these people when literally six months or the year before, it was totally fine? So it's a perfect example to go along with your most amazing money shot quote that you just gave but it is it floors me like all of a sudden you're you're it's you, you know you literally everything is you know the hell is freezing over and the sky is falling but six months before it was fine but it's been around for that long and it's not something that was that it happened or it was a show or a comment and it, but this has been repeated every single year so it's constantly there and then all of a sudden it's bad so it's not even like a tweet that was from 10 years ago and somebody found it. No, no, this is in your face every single Christmas. Everybody loves it. And then last year people hate Rudolph. So it's like, well, give the reindeer a break, man. He's got a red nose. He's got other things to worry about. I thought he was the underdog. Now all of a sudden he's the bad guy. What's going on in this world? Now you're, so you, they, so, so just, to me, uh, isn't that bullying? Isn't that bullying where now you're making fun of the guy that has a red nose? I don't know. I thought they, I thought it was the other way around, right? I, I'm so confused. Well, These people confuse me. Well, and they, they just changed the words to baby, it's cold outside, I think. It's, oh, it's, yeah, it's that was song. another good one. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, it was written in like the 1940s. Uh. And it's a great what song, by the way. Is, it is a great song. And, and like, that's what we're using our resources. That's really going to just, that's going to change things. I just don't. Oh, I don't God, know. God's too funny. I don't, I don't know. But, oh. hey. Well, I think, I think that is a great way to end the show with your, your theory, your quote, my poor Rudolph. And uh, <laughs> I just, I want to just remind the audience, you know, our topic today was about the government not being in charge of things and look what happens, look where society is going. Consider your personal responsibility in all of this. Don't necessarily believe everything you read. I do want to give a shout out to, or a lot of the times, you know, I'm giving, try to get statistics out there. Part of it is because I'm not an attorney. I'm not as smart as Robert, so I got to at least contribute something to the show. So I figured if I if I have some statistics, I could sound like maybe the paralegal as opposed to, as opposed to the wise one, Robert. But a great I just way. have experience in sounding smart. That's all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's okay. That's okay. You know, it's half the battle to put on the show. Put on the show. So the the website that I go to that I found that's really great that I get a lot of information from is usafacts.org. Usafacts.org. And it was actually started by Steve Ballmer, who is the owner of the Clippers, used to be the CEO of Microsoft. And they did it because they wanted to have a one-stop access to all government data because there was so much junk out there, not to mention you didn't necessarily know where to go. And the information on it is just fascinating. So not like everybody has a lot of free time, but if you really want to get the real information as opposed to the junk that people are putting out there, it's a great resource. So Robert, would you like to say anything before we let our audience go back to their normal daily routine. I just uh, thank you again for another great show. Happy to be on episode 99. I'll just remind everyone that we are here at Massey and Massey. The phone number is 702-870-1100. And we are, we, we do personal injury, business law, real estate law, and wills, trust, and estate. And actually now we started this this week, um, now, November 1st until the end of the year, we are doing free consultations on any estate planning matters uh, to try and really encourage people to get in and get their estate planning packets done. There's a lot of family travel that goes on uh, during the holidays, and unfortunately, bad things happen every day, and you definitely want to be prepared and, and, and make it so your family uh, is prepared for those situations with these estate planning documents and, and make sure everything is 
is taken care of and laid out the way you want it to be laid out. So, again, it's 702-870-1100, and we look forward to hearing from you. And thank you again, Michelle, for another fun episode. Oh, always a pleasure, my friend. And I'm going to put that on the website so that everyone can have that information. They can go to everythinghometalkshow.com. Robert's got his own page on there. The information will also be on the homepage. So uh, I will keep it as a reminder and get people encouraged to take a look at it because it really is important. I know we joked about it and we brought it up earlier and we've had our own shows about estate planning, but if you don't have one and you think you need a lot of money to have one, you, you don't. Everybody needs to have one because at the end of the day, especially if you've got kids, it's important because some, when, once Absolutely. you're no longer here, you, the, the people, you, you think that there's, there's, there's a lot of resources. There's a, there's ways to get, Oh, just cause we're married. Eh, it doesn't necessarily work that way. So, so you got to take care of, well, there, what is again, personal responsibility, take care of you, the, what you've got, because it's not right to put a burden on somebody else and have to clean up your mess. Cause you didn't take the time to do it while you were here. I'm glad that you guys are doing that, especially this time of the year. So again, all of our Robert's information, our past shows, even our marketplace, and which we didn't even talk about yet, the Everything Home Socially Conscious Referral Network and Marketplace, which we'll discuss in the next episode, everythinghometalkshow.com. Another great show, Robert. It's when it can Massey out. Another great episode with my good friend, Robert Massey. Robert will be delivering the Massey Memo on the first and third Fridays of every month. All of our guests and experts' information and their shows are listed on our website, everythinghometalkshow.com. We encourage you to check it out and begin to use it as a resource to meet, hire, and learn from good people doing good business and good things. Just click anywhere on their banners and enjoy the show. You can also listen and subscribe to Everything Home on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and Blog Talk Radio. We're making it very easy and convenient for you to listen to us and enhance the quality of your life. And remember to like and follow Everything Home Talk Show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And feel free to send us an email or message on which topics you want to hear about and which guests you want to learn from. I appreciate you listening. Make it a great day, everybody. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.